Hi Rob, um, Spencer here. Really interested to hear what you said about the COVID vaccination and your reaction to it. I've had mine and um, I, I felt a little bit achy the next day, but other than that, uh, no real problems. But I've got quite a large extended family, lots of aunts and uncles, and I know that one of my aunts and one of my uncles both came down with COVID. Now, all those aunts and uncles have had vaccinations and the only two that had a real reaction to the vaccination were those two who'd previously suffered with COVID. So, um, yeah, bit of a theme there. Um, could be something to that. Uh, but as you say... Um, Get that vaccination. Bye. Hey, Rob. Jason here. Interesting episode. Yeah, you know, I should structure my days off a little better, too. And I think your idea of the time you normally work being put towards something productive is a smart one. So I, I think I need to do that as well. I still end up getting, you know, it's not like I can sleep in all day with dogs. You know, they still demand you get up on time and all that kind of thing. So it's not like I'm not awake. So, yeah, I, I appreciate your talking about that, to be honest, because I need to do something similar. In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heat. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down on the Heap podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. And it is beautiful, I just took the trash out. <laughs> it's Wednesday, yeah, trash day. It's also laundry day, so as often as the case, you'll hear my washing machine clunking away in the background sometime. Uh, but it's definitely springtime. Can, birds are chirping, you hear different bird song and you get used to in the winter time and yeah it's refreshing we actually hit 70 a couple days ago it was windy as hell but uh but it was over 70 and sunny if you were out of the wind it was beautiful but of course the next two days i'm off and it plunged back down tonight today it's gonna be a high of 35 and tomorrow it's i think maybe in the low 40s and then it booms back up into the 60s uh, maybe even 70 at for easter uh, at the top of the show there, you heard from Spencer, also known as Free Thrall, from the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast. Glad to hear that you got your vaccination, Spencer, and that you didn't have uh, really bad side effects or anything. Um, it is interesting what you're relating to about your your aunt and uncle that had uh, had a bad case of COVID. Or that's kind of holding true with my family too. My my parents, they both got the Pfizer vaccine, so, uh, but they haven't had any issues. My sister got hers. I think she also had Pfizer, hasn't had any issues. Mary gets hers today, so I'm thrilled about that. That means that we'll both have both vaccinations by the time we go on vacation, so we can, that was my great hope, uh, so that we won't be traveling and potentially having COVID or something, although we both had it before. So it's, who knows uh, with these new strains, what all that will present to, but I mean, we'll still mask up, of course, and we're out in the public, but uh, 
for the most part, we'll be uh, just sitting around a cabin. I can't wait. And Jason talking about, um, you know, just being productive on your days off. That's that's my goal. So today and tomorrow, I'm not. I don't even think I'm going to listen to any podcasts. I'll do this one. I'll maybe do one tomorrow too. But even though, like, you know, the uh, Hump Day RPG show from Froth is sitting out there, I know, just waiting for me to listen to. But unless I do some vacuuming or some yard work or something like that, I don't think I'm going to listen to any podcasts. I think I'm going to listen to music and do some reading and work on my game. But um, the the bulk of this episode is going to be devoted to a bunch of callers that uh, voice their thoughts on playing multiple PCs in the same game. And their <clears throat> what they think might be causing some trepidation on the part of my players, why people might be reluctant to do it, and uh, share some of the experiences that they've had uh, while doing it. So first up is we'll here again from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. As far as multiple PCs, yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know. I mean, I kind of prefer to play one as opposed to a couple. I'm willing to do it if I need to, but maybe people feel like they'd be embarrassed role playing amongst themselves if they do interaction between the characters. Maybe they don't want to give up the experience points between multiple characters. You know, maybe they just want to get all the experience points for one character and focus on that. I've got a feeling that's probably the big issue is they want to focus on just one character. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what other people say. I've been in games where people played multiple characters, and it's gone fine. I think it works fine, and it's got the advantages you mentioned. But... Yeah, I, I find people tend to be reluctant to do it as well. So, interested to hear the feedback. Yeah, I think that is the main stumbling block for a lot of the players is the idea of splitting experience points. I know when I've had rules for henchmen and hirelings where they get a portion of the experience points from the uh, either the whole party or the... Uh, the employing PC that usually uh, dampens the enthusiasm for for hirelings and henchmen too, and a lot of the calls coming up here will bring that up too as uh, as the primary stumbling block. I I don't really envision players, you know, role playing with each other, having this <laughs> kind of weird dialogue with between two different personalities. I think I think that would be weird, <laughs> and I think most people would feel weird about doing that. So I I totally see it as a lead character and a a, a sidekick character, and one one PC is the one that's you know in in almost all circumstances is the one that gets does the dialogue and role playing, and um, and you could switch especially if uh, if they're in two different locations and two different situations or scenes or whatever. But, yeah. Now let's go on to a string of calls from Daniel Norton from the Bandits Keep podcast and YouTube channel. Can it help fight the sorcerers? 
there up, Daniel from Bandits, keep calling in about the playing two characters. Uh, my initial assessment would be that what stops people from doing it is the fact that they have to split the XP. You know, basically they are looking at less XP, whether they play one character one session or play one character the next session, or if they divide it 75-25, which might not seem like a lot, but to somebody trying to build a character up, you know, it, it takes away. Especially if the henchmen are essentially being played the same way. They get to control them, and it doesn't eat up their XP, I'm assuming, based on what you said. I have actually done this a couple times successfully, which I will talk about in the next message. Uh, the first time I actually required it, we were running, oh, I forget what the module is, the, the one that's like the space satellites, the uh, land of a thousand towers. Anyways, I required that everybody had uh, essentially a second character that was their henchman, and those characters got 50% experience point. So, uh, you know, they just got half a share, essentially. So it didn't, it did actually impede everybody, and the biggest complaint I got, uh, and part of that was that module didn't give enough treasure, frankly. Um, is that it took forever. We played for almost a year, and I think the highest level person was third or fourth, and that was one of, like, the original characters. But, of course, it was in BX, and there's a lot of character death, so most characters were on first or second level, uh, even at the end of, you know, almost a year of playing. So, again, that's why it goes back to my idea that I think people are thinking they want to level up faster. But it did work out pretty well, and I had some certain rules about how when you died, your henchman got extra XP and stuff like that. So, in that case you know, they don't feel, they only have one player, uh, but she's playing two characters, because I required it, but she doesn't feel like, oh, well, I'm going to level up slower, because they're both leveling up the same speed, even though she's running two characters, and she does it in the way of the sidekick. Essentially, she roleplays 99% of the time with one character, and uses the other one to kind of fill the gaps. He's a magic user, so when she needs magic, or every once in a while, he'll go off and do something, but, you know, by himself, but generally speaking, she just plays the one character, and I think that works out really well. So in short, with all that being said, I think that's the biggest problem uh, for most people is that it's going to eat their experience points. Now, oh, this is going to run out, so I'll do one more message. Now I can think of one other thing, which I don't think is affecting you since your game is pretty new. In my Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer's Hyperborea game, they're on 40 sessions in or something, and in that game you can't actually get henchmen. You can get retainers, but you can't get henchmen until you're 6th level. So a couple of the characters have reached 6th level, and I asked them, do you want to bring in a, a henchman, which is essentially going to be a 1st level PC that you get to run? And nobody seems to want to do it. And I think the reason for that is they've now fallen into this like epic, heroic part of the campaign. And, they, well, first of all, they don't want to be responsible for, for somebody, but they just, they're in their characters too deeply. So I think if you're running a long-running campaign and people get really into their characters... That could be another reason why they don't want to run more than one, because they're very focused. But I think if you're talking about a starting campaign, relatively, and people are hesitant to do it, it's probably more about the experience point distribution. Okay, thanks for the calls, Daniel, and your thoughts on this. I appreciate it. You make some good points. Again, I, I do think a, a big part of it is the experience points and splitting it between two characters and the perceived... Well, not perceived. I mean, there's no denying that's going to slow down the advancement rate of your of uh, if you were just having one PC. But let's take a look at that. What what does it actually mean like in a classic game of D&D where, especially where the classes advance at different rates? I mean, you could, you know, strategically choose which character is your primary and which is your secondary based on those advancement tables to try 
and minimize that kind of effect. But let's, I mean, for simplicity's sake, let's just say 10,000 experience points. Where does that put you? Um, that would be enough for any of the classes in like Swords and Wizardry. Well, except Ranger. I think Ranger, you need 12,000 to be fourth level. But like Magic User and Monk are, aside from Ranger, the ones that have the slowest progression table, and they'd both be a fourth level character with 10,000 10, experience points. Now, if you were to. Um, and I think a thief might be, I think a thief would be fifth level. Um, but if you were to take the 75, 25 split for a primary and secondary PC, that would give your primary PC 7,500 experience points and your, uh, your sidekick 2,500. That would mean that any primary character would be third level. And close to fourth um, for, like, Fighter and Paladin. And uh, about halfway there for, a little over halfway to fourth level for a Monk or Magic user or a Ranger. And fourth level, if you were a Thief, um, an Assassin, or a Cleric. And then your sidekick at 2,500 experience points would be um, second level for any class. And third level if they were a thief. And close to third level if they were a cleric or an assassin. So, I mean, what's, what's a more po uh, powerful combo? One fourth level magic user or a third level magic user with a second level fighter? or a third-level magic user and a third-level thief. Um, I think from uh, the standpoint of the effectiveness of the party, I'd say the multiple PC is... Tan the tandem is going to be more effective than, uh, than the one PC. And you bring up another uh, interesting point about how the characters in your long-running game that survived the big... Um, the big horde discovery were the ones that really jumped up. And that's true. That's, that's what happens in a lot of low-level play in classic D&D is with, when, when there is turnover rate, just surviving is the key. You, <laughs> I mean, it's obvious, right? But it's so true that just surviving, you, you don't get any experience points if you die. And the party itself is much more likely to be resilient uh, and overcome challenges and be able to take on bigger challenges and discover more things. I mean, you've just got more to hit rolls. You've got more hit points. You've got more attacks. You've got more spells. It's a larger party is a more effective party. Uh, I mean, the only time it, it can impinge on your capabilities is if you're doing some you know, recon mission or, or trying to sneak in somewhere where, where a smaller number might be more effective at that. But then, then you tailor that for that, for that, uh, adventure or whatever. You maybe leave some of your PCs behind or just take all the, all the thieves with or whatever, the ones that have Invervision or something. I don't know. But I think that's, yes, if, Assuming everyone survives, you're, you're going to advance more quickly and 
and get to a higher level more quickly if you're just running one PC. But that survival is the key, and if you have more PCs, I think you're more apt to survive, or at least have more survivors than if you try and go in with like just three PCs and try and get the mission done than with six, because I'm not really tailoring the encounters to the fact that there's just three PCs or whatever. I mean, I'm not really paring down the adventures, the, the modules and stuff. I, if I use a written adventure, I almost always change it a great deal, but I don't really change it to tailor to the party, to the, to the characters or the types of characters that they run. I change it more to fit my setting and just get rid of things I don't like or add things I do like. I don't, I'm not really trying to balance things out. Um, it's, to me, it's it's up to the the players to decide when they're in over their heads, and uh, and they usually get plenty of foreshadowing or at least the opportunity to to bug out in most cases. But uh, like this last encounter they had when they ran into the basilisk, I mean, if they had six PCs rather than than three plus a couple of henchmen, I mean, if they had six PCs plus a couple of henchmen. Um, they would have had, you know, that initial volley of missile weapons at the Basilisk that would probably have scored more hits, and there probably would have been more saves made, and there probably would have been more survivors, and maybe they even would have overcome the Basilisk if they had decided to just go toe-to-toe with it. But, as it stands... The two henchmen were turned to stone, two of the PCs were turned to stone, and only one uh, one adventurer, Nico the Ranger, has, uh, has emerged still fleshy. <laughs> uh, now let's uh, take it to BJ from the Arcane Alienist podcast. Welcome to the penthouse, Thunder. It's BJ. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm... A little allergies, losing my voice today. Hopefully you can hear me okay. I was listening to your latest episode. Man, when I was in high school and even in college, the groups I played with, there were so few of us, sometimes just two or three people to play. Uh, we had to run multiple characters because so many of the particularly AD&D modules assumed parties of, you know, five to seven, if not more characters. So just, just trying to it was easier for us to run two characters than for the DM to scale down to, to only having two or three, a party of two or three. And again, we, we were, I think, primarily running modules. I know it's different when you homebrew your own encounters and scenarios and you can kind of tailor them to the size of the party. But yeah, when you get down to, when you get down to only having a couple of characters, it really limits what the DM can put together because like you mentioned, one person has a bad role or, or just, just kind of the nature of, of particularly when you're playing older school styles or where, where characters are not as resilient as they are in say fifth edition uh, character goes down and then that's kind of the end of the game. If <laughs> there's only one character left. So um, yeah, the, the difference between hirelings and a secondary PC doesn't seem like a huge stretch, particularly if you've got a small group where there's only a couple players. Um, 
I, I don't know how to sell that other than I think you made a pretty good case for it there in, in, in the podcast as far as why you would want to have second characters, even if, if one was more of a sidekick to your main character. Uh, but yeah, I, I've spent probably first half of my career as a D&D player with two characters. Hey, thanks for the call, BJ. I appreciate it. And sharing your, you know, experiences and that you've run multiple PCs at times and didn't seem like that big of a deal. You're echoing my thoughts a lot on the scenarios that are out there, especially old school scenarios were almost always geared towards like a six to ten uh, PC party. And that's an important distinction, too. I can't remember if I brought it up in my initial podcast on on running multiple PCs, but, you know, in classic versions of the game, you don't have the kind of quote-unquote one-man army syndrome that you get with later games, where, the you know, in the later editions, you have a lot more crossover, the the class lines are blurred because you have things like rangers and bards being able to cast healing magic. You have background professions or different skills that enable non-thief characters to have skills like finding traps and opening locks and sneaking. And you have non-rangers being able to track and you know, virtually everyone can cast spells. So there's not this defined roles that need to be, well, not need to be filled, but makes the party more effective if all the roles are filled. Uh, You can, in a 5e game, for instance, you can get away with just having like a rain, like the party setup that we had in, in my Swords and Wizardry game, a druid, a ranger, and a magic user you could you could probably get away with that in a in a 5e game because there's so much crossover between the things and the characters themselves just have more capabilities and more resiliency in general but it doesn't really work nearly as well in the classic versions of the game and now we move along to Colin Green from the Spike Pit podcast and YouTube channel. That's right, Spike Pit. If you haven't checked it out, he's got a YouTube channel too. So take it away, Colin. It's about time you showed up. Hey, Rob, in COVID news, I just got my jab, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling in response to your query about additional player characters or playing multiple characters, sidekicks, whatever. I'm sure I've done it before, but recently in our Waterdeep game, I have been assigned a sidekick uh, by a temple that my character Lucian hangs out at. He's a worshipper, an acolyte of the triad. He's a halfling monk. And he was kind of hanging out in, I forget what the district of Waterdeep is. It's like a poor district, kind of doing effectively what we would think of as charitable work charity work and getting kids off the streets finding things for them to do breaking up gangs different bits and bobs in his his downtime the temple saw fit to decide that he's probably a, an example of what they like their acolytes to be uh something to look up to so he's been assigned 
uh, Jilly Copperpot, and she is using the the rules in fifth edition that came out with essentials for sidekicks, and they're like a a cut down PC if you like, um, and I I think they're pretty pretty cool. They've got a couple of pages of rules, so I'm enjoying that. Sometimes it it kind of gives me something to hang my my hat on for my character or. Uh, it's just it's just sort of like expanded out the narrative a little bit and really enjoying it. I think it's a good thing. So I, I'm I'm like yourself a little bit puzzled why perhaps your players are reluctant to get involved with that sort of thing. I certainly don't think you necessarily need to have that full blown character, and I, I can heartily recommend the use of sidekicks. They just sort of fade into the background a little bit, but they're there. If you need them, you can bring them uh, front of stage. Uh, it, it's fine. I can only imagine perhaps the reluctance is perhaps folk might might be a bit a little bit o uh, overwhelmed by the by the prospect of two characters. But in my experience, like I say, I, I, I love it. I think it's great. Interesting question though, man. Keep up the good work. Take care and I'll catch you later. There you go. Colin sharing his experiences with um, his recent uh, sidekick to his character in the Waterdeep game. So I think Colin brings up a lot of good points there. And chief among them might be like the whole idea of coming up with a concept for the sidekick. I think that can be... Uh, helpful in in fleshing out the relationship between the two PCs and why maybe one is the primary and one is the sidekick or or what uh, um, what prompts one to be more of a background character maybe they're just more more of a reticent or minor role or something so it could be if you have a magic user as your primary character maybe your secondary character is like his uh, his bodyguard, his, his fighter that kind of serves as his bodyguard, or maybe um, your paladin character has a cleric as a sidekick, and he's kind of like his uh, um, personal <laughs> parson or something, I don't know, or maybe uh, a thief sidekick is some kind of urchin that just tags along uh, with the group or something. Uh, it could be that the characters, you know, you could use the old trope of their their siblings uh, or childhood friends or something. There's all kinds of things you can do. And I have heard about the that new box set, uh, Essentials, having rules for, you know, the sidekick, kind of like henchmen or um, multiple PCs or something and that they're toned down a bit. I kind of forget what the the mechanisms behind it are um but that, that was one aspect of 5e that that definitely i noticed was the um, and maybe this occurred in the in between you know third and fourth editions of the game too that i wasn't really part of but it did seem like the character the the henchman aspect was was either outright removed from the game at least there was no real mention of having um 
henchmen and stuff. At least I don't remember. Well, maybe there is. It's been so long since I looked at those rules. But I, I don't I don't remember there being explicit rules like there are in classic D&D where the, just under charisma, it's how many henchmen you can have or what their loyalty is uh, and all that business. Um, so it was downplayed, if if not removed. So I'm happy to see it's kind of brought back into the fold. But, but that ties in, too, to the fact, like I was in my reply to BJ, that, that when the characters have a much broader or potentially a much broader set of skills and the lines between classes are blurred more. It's not as vital to have all these classes um, represented at the game. And 5th edition makes no bones about the fact that it's designed for a four-player party. So that's usually... Uh, especially now when, with people playing online, it's that's usually not a problem to get four players. But in my Saturday morning cartoons game, it is. I've only got three. And even four in a classic game of uh, D&D is a small group, in a, um, at least in a low-level situation. You're, you're, uh, all it takes is a couple of rounds of bad rolling or maybe just one round of bad rolling or losing initiative <laughs> and you might all just be snuffed out by six goblins you know and uh if it was multiple pcs too mean multiple targets for the monsters to choose from so they can't as easily just gang up on one or two pcs um you know, those six giant rats that attack, maybe they're, it's only one attacking each PC instead of two attacking each PC, and that can be all the difference in the world. But uh, I guess a lot of this conversation is, is moot because... Because demon dogs. Because <laughs> demon dogs? Those dogs actually made up some multiple, some extra PCs. In the last session... Uh, I had to run to work, and I guess they hung around on uh, on Google Meet, chatting it up and stuff afterwards, and Adam had to leave, but I guess Bill and Keith went ahead and made uh, some backup sidekick PCs, <laughs> and they didn't tell me about it until like nearly a week later. So I found out that, well, I don't even know what Keith made yet as his sidekick, uh, just that he made up a, a sidekick bill made a cleric so the new the new lineup post basilisk is bill still has nico the the ranger uh and then he has a cleric i, I know nothing aside about the character other than that it's a cleric keith has a new magic user i can't remember uh his name but he's a an apple king uh so he replaces wendell the the toad man uh, who's now a statue of a toad man. And, uh, and Adam made a paladin. He rolled a 17, so he decided, hey, I'm going to make a paladin. I um, haven't played Well, he said he hadn't played one, but I, I know for a fact he ran one in one of my 5e campaigns. One of the near TPKs in my 5, 5e campaign, uh, he had a paladin that died. Anyway, so he's got a paladin. I don't know if Adam's going to make a sidekick or not. But we have at least a five-player or five-PC group now. 
and they have all, they had already hired a man at arms, uh, gunner, and a torchbearer. Stella, Stella. So, well, uh, I'll maybe do some kind of recap of their adventures so far. If you're interested, let me know. But thanks to Spencer from the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast, to Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, from to Daniel from Bandits Keep podcast and YouTube channel, BJ of the Arcane Alienist podcast, and Colin Green from Spike Pit podcast and YouTube channel. Thanks, guys, for the calls. Thanks to everyone for listening. And until I talk to you, talk to you again. Don't go down in a heap.